Welcome back to Martins and More. My name is Maury Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And this episode's brought to you by OneMans.com. That's One Man's with a Z. Spoon Phillips has put together a beautiful website, and shame on me for allowing so many sponsored episodes to go by before coming to my senses and mentioning it. Spoon, are you a fan of OneMans.com? <laughs> Well, what a nice surprise on a very nice day. I am, rather. I wish I had more time to devote to it these days. But for people who are not familiar, onemans.com is my, my website slash blog. Um, where one side has uh, about history and science and has some humor pieces and uh, reviews of performances and that sort of thing. And then the other side, of course, is One Man's Guitar, where I focus on... Uh, news and reviews of acoustic guitars of course many 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 martins among others so thank you for the mention that's onemans.com you're very welcome and, and it's not very often that we're accused of overproducing this show you guys should know spoon didn't know i was going to say that <laughs> as usual as usual well thank you <laughs> so how are you doing Mari? i'm doing very well we'd like to keep things fresh around here and if we ever worry too much about uh, talking for 20 minutes about doing a two-hour podcast. By the middle of the podcast, it would just feel, oh, I don't know, tiring. So we like to just say, hey, are you connected? Yes, I am. Let's go. So I'm happy to be here. And so last week, we had a really fun discussion about what I'd like to call hidden gems in the Martin lineup under $1,000. And that program, just like a good movie at the very end of it, we totally left things open for the possibility of a sequel. Spoon, would you mind taking time today to talk about Martin Guitar Hidden Gems, and we're going to take away that whole $1,000 ceiling. Maybe there are some good hidden gems here at Mari's Music that we do not want to squash just because they cost a little bit more. Why don't we continue last week's conversation? But today, we're not going to put a price tag on things. There are just so many guitars that I feel customers almost overlook when they come to our website and they email us and they call us and they want to look for a specific model. I do have a handful of guitars I'd like to talk about today that I want to call hidden gems. Is that a good idea, Spoon? Oh, yes. I think that's a great idea. Um, yes, and as far as sequels go, I'd just like to say that uh, we don't often reveal our uh, recording dates, but today happens to be Friday the 13th, and there's few movie chains that have as many sequels as Friday the 13th. So uh, let's uh, just apologize in advance for all the uh, Murphy's Law mistakes that are going to happen uh, now that I've jinxed <laughs> us with this being recorded on Friday the 13th. Now I'm scared. I don't know if I told you. I have tickets to go to camp later, but now I'm nervous to go. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Friday the 13th, Spoon, let's talk about the Martin D13E Zeracody, first on my list. Ooh, what a segue. All right, well, I'm feeling luckier already. That's uh, interesting that you have a, uh, a Style 13 or a 13-level Road Series instrument because they are indeed hidden gems. There aren't a lot of uh, modern guitars that have 13 in their name. Um, the Road Series in that are made down in Navajoa, they are arguably the best bang for the buck for uh, Martin guitars. You know, well-made, and 13 has like the, the top-level appointments uh, from the Rhodes Series instruments. So why don't you uh, give us an indication of some of those uh, D13E specs? 
Well, the D13E is a very good example of many of the models in the road series where you get a solid spruce top no matter what. But the advent of fine veneers shows up in full bloom here on the D13E. You're going to get back and sides that have a solid Kaya core. And when I say Kaya, that's another word for, is it African mahogany? It's a mahogany yep, of some African sort. African mahogany, yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah. So you'll, you'll find the D13E used to be a pretty popular model across the board with various different backs and sides. But the current model, the 13E Zeracote, it's a solid core of Kaya with fine Zeracote veneer on the inside and the outside. So when you look at the back and sides, obviously you're seeing the high gloss Zeracote, but actually looking into the sound hole, you'll also see the inside of the instrument, the inside of the sides, the inside of the back is also showing Zeracote. And I know you and I have talked about it on previous platforms. You actually do hear some of the properties of Zeracote, and that's proven because you can actually take a D13 from years past that might have had sapele or mahogany and nothing veneer to the inside or outside, and they don't sound the same. Well, I'll go even as far as you can compare them directly to the fine veneer Road Series guitars that are made with Koa, and you can compare them side by side, and there's clearly, I would have never believed it unless I heard it myself, you can clearly hear uh, the Koa tonal influence from the Koa veneers, and you can hear a a uh, warmer, I guess, a woofier is not the best term, but a sort of a fuller mid-range and low-mid sound out of these D13Es with the Zeracote, uh, or Zeracote probably is how it's pronounced, wherever it comes from, uh, back and sides, and in addition to it being really beautiful wood. so. If you haven't seen these before, you should get on the internet uh, and go to Mars Music and, and take a look at the woods that are involved on these fine veneer road series instruments. And in fairness, you asked for specs plural, so I shouldn't just stop at the back and sides. Something that's very common across many Martins, whether it's the road series or not, is the one and three quarter inch nut that terminates at two and five thirty seconds at the saddle. They call that the high performance taper because it tapers from a wide feel to a narrow feel, but something that is unique to the Rode series, or at least this 13E, you have what they call the performing artist neck profile, which is not common across Martin's lineup. I've always been on record to say I'm pretty terrible at describing how a neck feels, but Spoon, can I put you on the spot and ask you, if you're looking for a dreadnought, would you come to the Rode series in the, in the 13E to enjoy the performing artist taper? And can you help our listeners get an idea what that might be like? Um, well, yes, they basically, I mean, I've said this, I don't know if everybody shares this opinion, but I look at it this way. There was a basically a big shift in the guitar playing population, and everybody wanted one and three quarter inch width nuts, but they didn't want the wider two and a quarter inch fingerboard that you got from traditional Martins and other makers who had a one and three quarter inch width nut and the wider string spacing that came with it. So what they did is they basically gave you the 12th fret width of their old 1 and 11 16th inch nut guitars and widened out the nut and then that taper changes so it's a much faster taper as you go up the neck and so you get the best of both worlds so by the time you're up in the upper frets you have a neck with a width that's more similar to an electric guitar and but you have the wider nut down below that is uh, where you need it most where your wrist is at the most extreme angles and and uh, it's it's an excellent combination uh, for me even more these guitars also have the performing artists 
shape to the uh, neck profile, and that's one of my favorite Martin necks. I, I personally prefer it to the modified low oval that's across most of the line. So um, I think it's a very, and again, this was a, a neck shape that was designed to appeal to electric guitarists. And this is, in fact, of course, an acoustic electric guitar. So uh, you should check them out. It's hard. I've heard many people try to compare the modified low oval to the performing artist. I think it just has something to do with the way it fits in the nook of your thumb and how it flattens out your palm. They're just different, and they're very similar. They're more similar than, than any other, like, two necks you want to compare to. But um, I think it's, a, it's arguably the most comfortable neck uh, that you can get. And one more thing I'd like to add about the, uh, the modern version of the D13E, Zero They changed the styling from earlier versions and partially because Chris Martin is an old school guy and while he supports uh, the you know innovation of his uh, of his team there and the designers um, he wanted to maintain some traditional Martin looks in the road series so today's uh, D13 easier Cody has the dot fretboard that you would have uh, seen on like a traditional D28 or a D18 and I think that's pretty cool. So it's a, it is a, it's a very classic looking uh, guitar as the Road Series go. And those Zircote back and sides definitely is evocative of some of the finer uh, Rosewood models, including the old Bazone Rosewoods because of their fabulous, beautiful, uh, uh, dark, rich grain and the uh, color variation in that grain. Well, you left me a beautiful segue. Can we keep talking about beautiful grain and change the discussion from the D13E Zeracody to the Martin 0012 ECOA, talk about Hidden Gem. Well, I'd be happy to talk about Hidden Gems. Hidden Gems is a very fine guitar that a lot of people overlook. And I would say uh, this is a very good example of it. I already mentioned those beautiful ECOA uh, veneers that you get in the Road Series. And uh, they give you, like you said, a solid wood core. So it has that same flexibility and strength that you get from. Uh, solid wood uh, in terms of flexibility in terms of the sound waves and how they uh, bounce off of the uh, of the wood but that koa veneer you get those high sparkly uh, koa harmonics and and that you know sort of sunnier uh, sound that you get from koa guitars in a comfortable triple uh, o size and I know nowadays you really can't get something like this in the 16 series. They used to have a triple O 16 in a couple different flavors. But part of the reason I'm going to call the triple O 12 ECOA a hidden gem is because a lot of customers come our way. And if they're looking to get an X series, you know, that's one price point. But I think a lot of people who aren't looking for the cheapest or I should say the most affordable, you know, X series outfit, they might go right to a triple O 18 or even change body sizes a little bit. I think the triple O size in this price point with the Koa back and sides or the Koa veneer, it's just one of those guitars for better or worse. It gets overlooked way too often. And it's not just my emotions saying that, but we actually have a lot of these guitars in stock for quite a while. And we'll get a lot of other models that come in and they don't last nearly as long. I bet you we still have three or four triple O 12s on the shelf. If I could ask your, your professional opinion and your professional guesstimation, why would you think something like this might not be as hot a seller as it could be? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think, first of all, of course, Dreadnoughts will always outsell Triple O's. Uh, you're right. People go looking for uh, 
triple O's like the triple O 18 or triple O 15. And, um, and this is a, an affordable instrument. Um, it's an acoustic electric guitar. We've already talked about the performing artist profile in combination with the high performance taper. And, and the more I talk about this, the more I'm sort of talking myself into, I can't figure out why this would not be that popular because it's got a lot of really cool specs that make a lot of sense. And again, Road Series uh, with the, uh, today has the dot fingerboards and, uh, you know, and, and it maintains that, that classic Martin look, even though you get a uh, different uh, perloid rosette that, that makes them stand out uh, from other guitars. So I don't know the answer to that, really, other than I think it's a great guitar for a great price. So I'm not sure why they don't sell. Um, maybe you're not putting them on your, uh, your program on YouTube where you play the guitars often enough. <laughs> Guess what's coming up this Wednesday now? Good idea. <laughs> now, I'm going to keep the body size the same, but when I talk about my next item here, I want to ask you, because talk about, I mean, this guitar should really be the best seller. You remember the CEO 7 when it came along and it offered so many really good upgrades at a very nice price point. What if I told you, you there's a guitar from Martin, you can get solid East Indian rosewood back and sides, a solid VTS spruce top, maple binding, dovetail neck joint, all for less than $4,000. Oh yeah, okay. I was As you're going through the specs, I was trying to figure out what guitar would you be talking about since... Multiple guitar. Oh, wait, you mentioned maple binding, and that changes things. So I think I know what model you're referring to. Um, in fact, it was featured in the 2022 Martin Journal, their annual journal, that very fancy, high gloss, uh, incredibly informative and interesting uh, publication that they make. And that particular issue contained an article written by yours truly, actually, for Martin. But, uh, but it wasn't Ooh. about the guitar that I think you're about to say. The Martin 00028 Brook Lidgetwood. Well, there you go. For those of you who don't know, this uh, uh, New Zealander um, is an international star of huge reputation, though she's not that well known in the States, uh, though certainly of growing reputation. And she... Um, uh, came out of the uh, the faith music scene, and originally in Australia and New Zealand, and and then, and I think she was actually born in Fiji, if I remember, but um, or one of those other archipelagos down there. But um, but she is an international superstar, and um, I was so impressed with this guitar. I you know I I was like, okay, we have a signature model. And it's got a lot of, you know, specs that I like, but it wasn't until I really sat down and played it that I was so impressed with this uh, really interesting combination. Um, she was very much inspired by the Eric Clapton model, that was her, and which she had played for a long time. But she was also like um, other Martins, so it doesn't have the herringbone uh, top that you get from the Clapton. In fact, it's got the rosette where it was inspired by the OM42, I'm pretty sure. And then it has the traditional black and white plied lines around the edge. So it's a very interesting combination of looks, but it looks super with that maple binding. And also, she liked the V-neck of the Clapton, which is probably my all-time favorite V-neck, but she wanted uh, the narrower 1 and 11 16th inch nut. 
So it's uh, sleeker and easier to play uh, for people with, uh, that don't have very long fingers. So very interesting combination, but certainly best of all are the tone woods. You're talking about the you know, traditional Indian rosewood that you find in the standard series uh, models in Style 21 and Style 28 and on up through the pearly models. Um, but it's got a torrified uh, VTS citrus spruce top. So that's pretty cool. So um, I think, as Mari puts it, this has features uh, that you'll find on the Modern Deluxe series, but in a unique combination with other features and for a price way below what you would be charged if you went to Martin with a one-off custom and to the custom shop and said, you know, I want a guitar with these specs. Absolutely. And really, if you're looking at a Martin guitar and you want to find one in 11 sixteenths, you probably only have three or four guitars in the entire lineup to pick from. So if you want the V-neck or the narrow nut, your choices are extremely limited. You get both of them in this instrument. And you guys listening, if you've found this podcast and you've listened to more than one episode, you probably do know, you know, how much I've loved my OM 28 view over the years. I'm used to the V-neck as well. And it's just a really interesting model. It might have been a mistake for me to compare this to the CEO 7, but if you remember when that thing debuted, it gave you a short scale instrument with a V-neck and an Adirondack top. And I think a lot of people, including Spoon, might agree it was priced too low and it just completely took off to the point where Chris Martin retired before that model retired. It's still so popular. Well, they're doing it again with the Brook Lidgetwood, and I'm really surprised it hasn't taken off at least half as far. It's not one of those guitars that ever gets mentioned, and I can tell you straight-faced on this program, we get so many people calling up saying they want something like a Triple O 28, and we have a conversation on the phone, and we talk about the Triple O 28, the OM 28, the Triple O 28 Modern Deluxe, and other guitars back-to-back-to-back. This one... If I don't remember to say it, the customer never asks about it. So maybe it's equal parts, too brand new, too niche, and maybe it's just not advertised all that much. But I think it's a great idea for anybody. If anybody out there is looking for a triple O 28 of some sort, you really should have this one on your radar. I do know that some people uh, aren't interested in artist signature models, especially if they're not familiar with the artist. But this one doesn't have a big splashy inlay or anything like that that you know is is specific to the artist. Um, it's very tastefully done, and uh, I've owned a couple of signature models from artists that I uh, you know did not in any way buy it because of the artist or you know because I was familiar with the artist's work and I was very happy I did because they were wonderful guitars with wonderful specs and this is one of those guitars with with unique specs at a, a price that like I said was way below what it should cost if it was uh, ordered from the uh, custom shop. So we have had a Dreadnought, and we've had two Triple O's. Do you have something on the list that's not a Dreadnought and not a Triple O? Let me see, or should I say GPC. GPC 11E is next on our list of Martin Guitar Hidden Gems, regardless of price. This is a guitar that, again... When I bring this one into conversation, it's almost like, why didn't we think of that sooner? It's not something you think of really quickly, but a lot of our customers will come to our website looking for a guitar in that price point. And Spoon, let's be honest, how many people think GPC very quickly when you think about Martin guitars? I think that body size is still a, kind of a unicorn as far as if you if you asked anybody for fun, you know, name 50 Martin guitars. I think they would just name everything but the GPC. 
And the 11E trim in the Rode series, boy, is it is it valuable. It's 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 such a great versatile instrument. It's never going to make anybody happy if you're the kind of player that wants the most traditional looking Martin. But I don't think the GPC body size sounds all that different from your traditional Martin shapes. It's one of those instruments that it's it's never going to get the the fanfare that something like a D18 would. But I bet a lot of people who love the D18 would find this guitar to have a great tone. Well, and for somebody looking for an alternative Martin at a, a great price that you know they could use as a stage guitar, which is what the Road Series was designed for, or a travel guitar, you know, because they don't want to take their D42 out on the road, that sort of thing. That's another option. Of course, the grand performance body size is Martin's version of what I, what uh, people have called a mini jumbo or small jumbo, um, and. And there's some debate about where these came about. There was a Gibson guitar that was introduced in the 50s that you could go back to say was the, the true original, you know, small jumbo. But it wasn't until the 1970s that uh, independent uh, small craft builders were gravitating that way. And uh, Ryan and some of those other people. And um, I can't remember right now which of those people. It might have been Ryan that was the, the guy that really kind of came up with this size, but it wasn't until Bob Taylor came up with his size 14 that the size took off in the in terms of the general population. And so almost everybody makes their version of this, and this is Martin's version of it. But yes, you're talking about Martin Sound. When they came out with the old Performance Artist series of guitars and they introduced this body shape, and everybody accused them of you know basically making their Taylor as if Taylor hadn't been making their versions of Martin's for a zillion years before that. Um, <laughs> It was one thing that was immediately clear is it didn't sound like a Taylor. It sounds like a Martin. And it's got its own unique sound. Every Martin body size has its own unique properties. When it comes to the full-size GPC body depth, it's both wider than an OM at the widest part of the bottom bout and a deeper at the deepest bout. The version you get in the 16 series is shallower and is, is designed to to uh, cut back on you know possible feedback issues. But the... So it is. It fits between the OM and the Dreadnought, though it's much closer to the OM size. But long scale neck and uh, cutaway, of course, acoustic electric guitar, gorgeous, uh, typically um, very good banding on the Sapele back and sides, and um, and it is. Uh, you talking about people that would not even think of mentioning a GPC? There's plenty of people out there that because they are so popular worldwide now that they see that size and that to their mind particularly younger people that's the size you know that's what an acoustic guitar is supposed to look like and so you know i definitely know people who find them more comfortable than dreadnoughts and jumbos and uh, but like the fact they have good volume and i think they sound a little uh thicker and fuller in the bass and the low mids than than an om does so i don't think think they have like a perfect string-to-string -string balance like an OM does or a classical guitar would, but some people want to have a little more oomph in the bottom end, and I think this gives you that sort of egg drop of uh, mass, uh, you know, in the sound of that, that Supi Martin sound. Well, we're getting to the part of the show now where I would ask you, if I gave you a dollar, would you give me 20 back? Only if... They were Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What if I change the word dollar to questions? <laughs> if I ask you the question. No, I believe you. $20 Canadian is still a lot more than one American dollar. But yes, I think <laughs> I might be able to coax you into giving me 20 questions. Wait a second. Whose turn is it? I think instead, I think I'm going to allow you to give me 20 questions to try to guess what Mark Guitar I'm going to be thinking of in our latest game of 20 questions. All right, Friday the 13th, I feel lucky. 20 questions are on the clock now. Is this guitar made in Nazareth? Yes, that's one question. Is this guitar a 14th fret dreadnought? Yes, that's two questions. Is this guitar in the standard series? Yes, that's three questions. <sighs> Later when I need the 19th question, you're gonna wonder why I felt really excited at this point. <laughs> Does this guitar have a spruce top? Yes, that's four questions. That was probably a waste. Yes, that's five, no it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a waste. Does this guitar have rosewood back and sides? Yes, that is five questions. If you're playing along at home, how close do you think I am to solving this? Let me know in the comments. Does this guitar have pearl anywhere on the top? Yes, that's six questions. Does this guitar have any pearl on the back? No, that's six questions. Oh, seven questions. Seven. Does this guitar have pearl around the fret insula? What a great question. No, that's eight questions. Is this guitar the Martin D41? No, it's the D40. Of course it's the D41. Rats. So that was pretty good. Congratulations. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. You know that. I hope you do. Now, here's a bonus question for you. Having successfully guessed the model, why do you think I chose the D41? Uh, because you want to talk about it some more? That's right, because I think the D41 is one of the great hidden gems in the Martin lineup. Hey oh, really? Wow. I think people for, for, forget I think people s skip over it. I think they look to the D42 and the D45. And they look at the, the HD28 and, I, and, and the D35 and the HD35. And I think the D45 actually is, is uh, I don't know, you might tell me in your sales, you know, off the top of your head, how well is that sell compared to the 35s and the 42s? Well, first of all, I'm caught off guard in a good way. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought anything 40 could be a hidden gem. But in truth, when you offer the 41, 42, and 45, let me think about this. Again, this is a really conversational podcast. We're not scripted, and I don't have something ready to say as fast as you might hope. But customers who look for the 35 
I'm sure those customers also include the HD28 in their search. And anybody looking at a 41 deliberately should consider the HD28 because they're basically the same guitar under the hood. I, I think I can go along with that. I'm, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. The 41, is it almost the gateway pearly dreadnought where if you're going to go HD28 through 35, your mind's made up. But once you begin thinking pearl, yeah, do you just go right to the 42? And I'll, I'll tell you the truth, 42s can really, really be impressive. It, I'd have to go back and look and see the sales numbers. I, I wish Lori would agree to ever be on this program with me. Oftentimes she'll tell me after the fact, you know, if you want the, the figures, just ask me and I'll tell you, I'll show you the report. And I never do that. But yes, I think the 41, I can't prove it's a sales thing, but I think at least from memory, customers would go to the 42 as well. Let us know in the comments or the, the live chat if you're on the YouTube version of this. Do you own a D41 or a D42? And did you search both of those guitars thoroughly when you made your mind up? That's, that's a great question and, and a nice uh, out of left field to bring some baseball into it. Uh, a nice, uh, nice addition that I didn't see coming. Good good model well you 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 left field me all the time when it comes to these kind of list shows and yeah i think d41 now today you made a point you know about guitars being similar uh they're more similar today than they used to be uh, there was a time when the d45 and the d41 did not have forward shifted bracing only the d42 did and that made it stand out in addition to having a fretboard of a pre-1938 D45 and with the snowflakes and cat's eyes and all that, where the modern D45 uh, has the hexagons that they switched to at the, in the late 30s and then brought back in 1968 and 69. Um, the D41 came out almost immediately after the D45 and to offer something for at a more affordable price. And originally, they left the... Uh, the first fret blank that was mike longworth's idea to keep people from taking a d41 and then adding more pearl to it and try to sell it as a d45 so um and then they switched to giving it a full fretboard with a hexagon at the first fret but they're smaller hexagons than you get on a d45 so they they're rounder because the sides are closer together and i think they look really cool the other major difference is they do not have fret around the fret insula, as you guessed when you were doing your 20 questions. So you have pearl around the edge, but not around the area around the fretboard, which actually takes very, it's one of the hardest things to do for a craftsman or a craftswoman to accomplish. And so they, that reduces the cost. It also reduces the cost because it reduces the uh, warranty risks uh, that come with, if they, when they ever have to do a neck reset with a guitar that has pearl around there that is a very delicate operation and it's easier to do without that pearl and also in the old days there was a there was a noticeable difference between the wood that you got on a 42 and the wood you got on a 41 and today you're as likely to find internally they still use the old uh grading system to, uh, officially they only have premium wood and standard wood now and a 41 gets premium wood along with a 42 and a 45. But you're likely to get interchangeable top quality and back and sides quality in terms of the cosmetics on a 41 than you used to. 
So they're very similar now. They all have forward shifted scallop bracing. So the major difference you get now is in the, the extra pearl that you get with a 42 and then the, a lot of extra pearl you get with a 45. And also a 45 definitely gets the top wood grade. 42 and 45 basically share that. But that does come tri trickle down and you're still talking about premium wood in, with a 41. So I think it's, I do think it's overlooked. You know, I, I'm always fond of that model. I think of uh, Bob Dylan, uh, his main guitar when uh, on the, the famous or infamous Rolling Thunder Review uh, was a D41. And uh, Dan Fogelberg was famous for playing a D41. Uh, George Jones was famous for playing a D41. There's certainly a lot of that, you know, tradition involved uh, with that particular model. And so I think it's a pretty cool model. So I'm glad we got to include it in uh, our hidden gems. Yes, sir. And I got to tell you, you used a phrase a few minutes ago. There was a time when those bracing patterns weren't as similar. I'm going to throw a trivia question your way. And all of our listeners are going to find out fast how well we know each other. One of my favorite movies includes an opening scene. And let me, I guess I'll give you a hint. It's, it's Bruce Willis who says it. And he says the phrase, there was a time. And the other person in the, in the scene says, tries to guess what time it is. And he says, no, I wasn't asking you for the time. I was saying there was a time. Name that film. Well, I'm going to give up. It's probably a film that I haven't seen in many, many, many years. All right. That answer and more coming up at the end of the program. But first, back to work, back to my list. Uh, no more throwing 41s into what I was calling hidden gems. If you want to do that again, you've got to go through the proper channels. You've got to email me last week. You've got to, your people have to talk to my people. Are you kidding? I got a board of hidden gems. I'm ready to start pulling them out of the rabbit's hat. Or the, well. <laughs> well, now I want to see that hat. All right. So my next hidden gem is, let me set the table for you. You come into the store and you want to play a Martin guitar. You know you want to play a standard series. And you say things like, OM28, triple O28, you never think of saying double O28. Well, that's correct. Double uh, O28, that's another good one. I could have added that to the list as well. Here's a trivia question and answer for you. They didn't make double O28s. 14 Fred double O28s basically didn't exist at Martin until the modern times. They are almost never in the ledger. And, I'm, and I would bet money, and I'm not a betting man, that if they are in the ledger from the 50s and 60s and 70s on up that it was a dealer special request because they just didn't do it and oh wow and uh but they have them now and that's really cool so you have a, a traditional grand concert body size and the full standard series a monte as it were with the traditional dovetail neck joint all solid tone woods standard level you know uh style 28 tone woods the beautiful sitka with the wonderful cross grain all that stuff in a short scale double O size. So, uh, you know, good for petite players, good for people who like, uh, want to have, you know, a road less traveled by who already have larger Martin guitars, but still want that, you know, traditional herringbone and the diamonds and squares on the fretboard and, and that solid ebony fretboard and bridge and the whole works. 
Yeah, and I know what you guys might be thinking. Maybe Martin sells a lot more of them than we know about. That's obviously quite a possibility. But the, again, this list is called Martin Guitar Hidden Gems at Mari's Music. And I'll tell you right now, we sell a lot more 0018s and a lot more 0015Ms. It just feels like once you get into the standard series, for better or worse, uh, and I, I bring this up a lot on the, on the Wednesday program, Spoon, when people are talking about which guitar to get. I'd love to hear your back and forth with this if I tell you those times customers come to me and they don't know what they want and they ask me, should I get the triple O 28 or the double O 28? I kind of feel like the triple O 28 can do anything the double O can, but the double O can't really strum as well as the triple O. I know that's not a hard and fast rule, but I think those customers that are unsure what to do, part of this might be my own fault where I push them away from a double O 28, but I do think the double O 28 is kind of like a triple O 28 that doesn't have the muscle on the bass E string for strumming, it's not a bad thing, and it might give some fingerstyle players maybe a cleaner low end for for bare finger pads. But how do you feel about if we just took this quick minute to talk about double O versus triple O if everything else is equal? Well, I think you already nailed it on the head. I think it's obvious when you play them side by side that the that the the triple O has a, the greater bass response. They're not that much bigger. I mean, the sound hole is uh, maybe only a sixteenth of an inch. Well, you know, narrower and wider. Maybe it's more than 16, maybe it's an eighth of an inch. I don't remember now. But um, but the body size, you know, the, the cubic centimeters inside the body size is definitely more in a triple O uh, than a double O. But I still think you, it's not like the, that bass string disappears when you're out front and you hear people playing it. Um, it is, you know, some people might feel it's more balanced. I know, you know, old, old Fred Martin, CF Martin III, really preferred the triple O size for a balance. He didn't like bass heavy guitars, but I also agree that I think fingerstyle players certainly turned to the double O's more often in the old days. Again, they didn't make double O, uh, 28s. They made double O 18s and, um, but they were a very popular guitar. And, you know, for blues players and, and whatnot in the old days. Um, so I think it's interesting. I think they probably brought it out because they had enough people asking for it that they thought it was worth bringing out. And the fact that it's, it's staying in the catalog tells me that Martin feels there are enough sales of it to justify keeping it there. So somebody must like them. And I do know, I you know, I lived, I mentioned this before, I lived with a... Uh, a woman who was a Berkeley grad who, who was a guitar teacher, and um, though she was actually, I think, a film score major at Berkeley, but but she was a guitar teacher, and but she was just a little pipsqueak of a person, and so her guitar was a 0015M, and and uh, you know it was the perfect size for her, and so I could definitely see her um, going for a 0028, and and I know she's fantasized about a cutaway 0028, but um, but that, you know, I don't think she ever got one. But conversely, her best friend is a much taller, much bigger person and who's a, a, a very well-known guitar journalist and musicologist. And her main Martin was a 0015 too. So you don't have to be a, a very petite person to, to like the 00 size. And so, um, so I do consider it a hidden gem. So I'm glad you added it on the list. Well, thank you. And speaking of the list, we're getting to that part now. We're almost ready to wrap it up. I have one more standard series, Martin Guitar Hidden Gem at Mari's Music. If you're following along this far, you're recognizing that we're trying well, to you tell made you... Me think of, yeah, now you made me think of something. 
So I've only had one hidden gem, so I wanted to do one more shot at a hidden gem. Um, insert my authority, uh, because <laughs> you mentioned the 0028, and I would say uh, I have to just, we can't do this program without including the OM21. So the OM21 is, uh, unless that's the one you were going to do, and then you I You will respect my authority! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the one I was going to say, so I will let you talk about it. Is that right? You were going to say the OM21? That's correct. Ah, well, there we are. Great minds think alike. Um and uh, and it's nice for you to join the club for once. But um the uh <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But um heck yeah, 0021. Um always been a fan of OM Heck yeah, the OM21. Uh, you and I are both big OM fans. OM21, of course, uh, simplified uh, cosmetics. Um, in the old days, Style 21. Uh, uh, Style 21 disappeared in the 19, early, early 1940s. And when they brought it back, it would, basically it was a, had the same style as Style 18 in terms of cosmetics, only had a rosewood back and sides. So we've got style 18 level woods, but with a rosewood back and sides, and that's still the case today. Though they don't, it doesn't look exactly like style 18. In fact, they don't even make an OM18. So, but um, so yeah, what, what's your take on the OM21? Well, the OM21, it, it's really an outlier. There's so many guitars that seem similar to each other. We talked about 0028 versus 0028. We can go down the line and find a lot of pairs of models that share similarities. I've never come across two guitars that sound so close to each other as the OM21 and the OM28. So much to say that I know it's easy to speak about someone else's money, but if you were going to a guitar store this weekend looking for an OM21 and the only thing they had in stock was an OM28, if you can afford it, take it and the same goes the other way around if you're looking for the 28 but someone has a 21 if you like both designs as far as styling i can't hear a very big difference at all yet it seems like every time i do pair these back to back if i'm pressed for an answer because you always are i'll say the 28 sounds a little bit bassier but i mean i'm using the word a little bit as i mean I'm, I'm almost abusing the word because if i played them back to back blindfolded I've oftentimes been fooled. So I think the 21 is a scaled down as far as, and that's, that's an opinion too. Some people might like the look of the 21 more than the 28, but as far as construction and what things cost, you're trading away herringbone to go to the 21, but that's really all you lose. And a lot of people wouldn't call that a loss. So I think, I don't ever expect them to retire one because the other one's too similar, but Put it this way, if you want to own two Martin guitars, don't buy both of these because you're buying the same guitar twice, is my opinion. I think they both sound great. Well, I think that's an interesting thing that you brought up. In the old days, people used to swear that I've heard people, venerable old guitar shop owners who aren't with us any longer and stuff, would swear that in the old days they shaved the tops or the sides or whatever of the 21s uh, more than they did 28s, and that's why they sounded sunnier and more open and airy and all that stuff. When, but Martin has always maintained they never did anything of the kind. That they, uh, the only difference was that the uh, grades grades of the top, back and sides were eight. You know, well, really the top was 18 style, 18 level 
Great. And that they traditionally would put grain on the back and sides that was maybe a little wilder and wasn't uh, that boring straight grain stuff that, that old Mr. Martin insisted on. But I you thought univor- uniformly, I thought the 21s always sounded more open and airy and less uh, woofy and beefy than the 28s. And then when the old 21, uh, OM21 came along, I, I thought that was the same, same thing. But the 21s had a rosewood bridge, and that makes a big difference. Um, just like the old M's when they first came out uh, with originally with Ebony and then they went to Rosewood or maybe they went to Rosewood, went to Ebony and went back to Rosewood. It was noticeably different. Um, but now, today, after all that, um, they both have Ebony bridges and Ebony fretboards. So they, there's no discernible reason why they should sound different. And yet, when I play OM21s, I think they sound a little more open and airy than the 28s. and the 28 seemed to sound, uh, I don't know, uh, thicker, deeper, smokier, as I call that smoky rosewood undertone. And yet I'm sure there's people out there in guitar forums everywhere that'll say the exact opposite. So it's not a scientific thing because none, none of us get a, a big enough data uh, sampling to really uh, be able to say that with any certainty. But I would say after all that, I'm in agreement with you. I think they're very similar. I know plenty of people who love their OM21s. Other people have to have that herringbone and, and diamond fretboard. And so, you know, you got you to gotta step up to 28 if you want that. But you're getting a heck of a great guitar for less money by going with the OM21. Just like the end of the last episode, let's leave things wide open in case there's room for part three, the sequel to the sequel. You know, three is always the best movie. Jaws 3, heck, Godfather 3. We can't miss if we take next week's opportunity to talk about something like this again. Maybe hidden gems above $9,000, something like that. We don't have to talk about it just yet, but but I do want to thank you guys for hanging with us as long as you did. Spoon, it's always so much fun talking with you. And if you guys have found some value from this podcast, maybe you found it entertaining, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We might even read your review on the air but we need more of them because I don't have another one to tell you. So there's a great reason. Why don't you be the one we talk about next week? Give us a good review. Let me find that on iTunes and I'll come back here in the coming weeks and we'll give you a big shout out. But it's always a fun time, Spoon. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you the answer to my earlier trivia question. I'm waiting. Well, we're waiting. We talked earlier about there was a time is a famous quote from Bruce Willis in one of my favorite movies. The movie was called... Lucky Number Slevin. What? Not familiar? Lucky Number Slevin? Oh, you got to check it out. I'm sure it's on the streaming services somewhere. Bruce Willis, Josh Hartnett. It's like a gambling debt movie, and it's really... uh, I recommend that even if you didn't like anything else about this show, take my recommendation. Go see Lucky Number Slevin. If it's not still in theaters, check it out on Hulu. Thank you for that. I certainly will do that. I will do that not today, not tomorrow, but someday. Oh, it's got Morgan Freeman and Ben Kingsley, too. It's really good. And I would be remiss if I didn't include the next installment from my top 10 reasons to own a Blue Ridge guitar.
No reaction? <laughs> so yes, indeed, we have, we've been remiss. We've heard from people that I haven't always included this, but sometimes we just run out of time. But here we go. This is the number three reason on my list of why you would want to own a Blue Ridge guitar. My number three reason to own a Blue Ridge guitar is the excellent craftsmanship, outstanding craftsmanship. Blue Ridges are made by craftsmen and women that have many, many years of experience. They use many old-fashioned methods. They have very clean workmanship when you look inside the guitars, and they have very good craftsmanship when it comes to the shapes of the neck, uh, which is kind of, uh, it's unique. Some people feel it's more of a U or a C shape to it compared to a Martin neck, but they're comfortable. Their high gloss finishes, uh, from what I've seen, are flawless. And we've already talk, talked about previously the, the fabulous tone woods, but everything of how the you know bridges look and how they're set, you know, you can really uh, give them a good working over for inspection, and they have excellent craftsmanship to go along with the uh, high quality tone woods, and I think. It's definitely a major reason to consider a Blue Ridge when you're shopping in that uh, price range. Now, who can argue with that? Robert! From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. <laughs>